Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Jeff Peterson joins us from Heartland Farm Partners. A lot of things going on. We know many guys, if they can be, they are in the combines. They are working to get this crop out of the ground before who knows what Mother Nature will throw at us next. You look at the numbers, there's some negativity going on, but we've come back and we're moving I think hopefully in the right direction as we get more details coming from Jeff. And Jeff, let's start out looking at these numbers today. We did see some negativity on the board for the grains, but really where we've come from and considering the outside influences and the and the harvest delays, we're doing okay. Yeah, we are. And, you know, we've kind of been talking about this for some time. We felt that the market had maybe went ahead and pulled back a little too much, you know, or back there in August. And, and it's been working its way higher. was a lot of fun to see how it traded towards the end of the week last week with our big pullback that we had after the report. But then we come roaring back. And, and that's all good to see. And, and we really, as we dig into those numbers, there's some things I think we, we really need to focus on, uh, Susan. You know, we, the market's really focusing big on those corn and soybean yields and trying to sort out what the snow and the wind meant to those and, and the harvest weather and what's that going to do to movement. And, and there's still a lot of concern really on the South American weather yet and, and how, what kind of start they're getting off to. And, and on top of that, we had those Chinese trade talks and, and still some concern out there in ethanol. So, you know, those are kind of some of the factors right now that the market's got its eye on, Susan, as we move forward. So let's start out with the corn and soybean yields. Uh, We know that harvest is underway. What are you hearing as you get a chance to talk to folks? Yeah, and and, and it's interesting. Um, When we talk to our our farmers and customers down south central Nebraska, that's probably the group that's the furthest along for us besides some of our customers in Kansas. That's getting held up a little bit a little bit, but as we move into south central Nebraska, uh, seven to ten bushels a acre off of last year is kind of a common theme. It's not that way on every field. And and that's what I guess we think as we move to and get more areas harvesting, we think that that's going to be more of a common theme. And that that's where we think from the national side, I, I think we will see the bean yield come down. We don't have uh, a, as good a feel right now on the corn side. Some of the stuff we're hearing from some of the, the test plots would suggest corn yields on the irrigated side off 25 to 30, 35 to 40 bushels the acre just on the early stuff coming out of the plots. Now, we know in many areas the dry land's going to be better than it was last year, but overall, when we bring the dry land and irrigated together, it's, it's still going to push that yield down below the numbers that we believe that USDA is currently using in the monthly WASDE reports. We look at the harvest weather and our neighbors to the north and out to the east have had some interesting days um, leading up to this week and we know that seven to ten days is what I was hearing in, in delays. Are you hearing any different? You know, I think uh, we've we'd definitely in some areas, I think that's spot on. Other areas, you know, they're getting pushed back. The, the big thing, we were talking to one of our customers up in South Dakota here earlier, and he's going, you know, I might just have to wait. And he didn't have the, he had the rain and then some snow. He goes, I might just have to go ahead and wait until it freezes up. And that's also some common themes we're hearing coming out of North Dakota after all the snow that they picked up uh, almost across the whole state and also the wind on top of that. You know, so there's definitely some areas that, that are 
really grinding along very slowly on harvest progress. And we'll get numbers here uh, this afternoon, but it looks like, you know, we'll definitely be in, I think, the slowest harvest pace we've had. The year that we, we spent a lot of time talking about is 2009, and that's fresh in a lot of people's memory. They can still remember that, but I think we'll we'll come in lower than than where that year was uh, when we got our numbers this afternoon. Looking at uh, South America, as we head south of the border, they as well have had some struggles this time trying to get a crop in the ground. Yeah, they really have. And and we don't think about that a lot. Uh, we, we think about them always having some pretty ideal weather, but, you know, they've had some challenges. And some of the data that we had actually coming out of Ag Rural reported on that, that kind of be like our our USDA NAS, you know, they were reporting Brazilian soybean uh, plantings at about 3% um, complete. That would have been as of like last Friday. And that compares to 9.5% last year. But the interesting part is that is the slowest start going back about six years. And as we as we go a little bit deeper into those numbers, one of the interesting areas that we find, uh, Paraná, um, they're about 10% planted on the soybeans. And the, the interesting thing about right there, but also in Mato Grosso, in those areas that want to p- try to plant some you know, double crop corn later, they, they need to be getting this crop planted because if they get much past about, oh, you know, October 15th, then it starts pushing back that um, corn plantings and then that pushes it into too dry a period so that really becomes a problem for them on their second corn crop so definitely in brazil they're wanting some more moisture as you move on down into argentina um, what it looks like down there is that about 20 percent of the, the argentine corn crop is planted they're they're looking for some additional moisture even down there only about one percent of the soybean crop is planted and and what kind of seems to be a general theme all across South America is that soybean production costs are up. And as a result, if you remember last year, the planting pace was really, really fast. And everybody was really trying to get stuff in the ground. This year, they're taking a lot, I'd say, a much more measured tone. And uh, because of the higher cost of production, they don't want to risk it. We're also hearing some spots in Paraná that you know, there has had to be some replanting, and that can cause a big problem as we look at that second crop of soybean or second crop of corn. So overall, the South American crop is getting off to a, you know, slower start, drier start. Now, we do think the rains will kick in. They've actually got some better rains forecasted to come in, but, you know, we'll just have to wait and see um, how good of a start they get off to. All right, well, stick around, folks. We have a lot more to talk about in part two. And, of course, no surprise that China came back over the weekend and said, well, maybe not. We need to have more negotiation talk. We'll talk about that. That A little bit more about the weather as well and what extent are we going to see when it comes to full damage on this crop. Lots to talk about as we continue with part two around the corner. It is LaFontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Jeff Peterson continues to join us with Heartland Farm Partners. Before we jump into uh, more about what we're seeing crops here, wanted to get your thoughts on this whole Chinese trade talks. Boy, on Friday it looked pretty optimistic. Over the weekend the feel got a little change to it. 
Yeah, it did. And, and it's, it's kind of interesting. It, it's kind of, if you look back, it's kind of a pattern we've seen from the past where coming out of some of these negotiations, there's the promise of, you know, there's going to be a lot of buying by China. And, and we hadn't heard much from the Chinese side in regard to what exactly that meant. And it was a little really unclear in how many actual dollars we'd be talking about. And the fact we don't even have a signed agreement, some people are saying, does it really matter? Have we just kicked the can down the road? But it was good to see, you know, overnight that we actually heard some confirmation coming out of China that was basically talking about, you know, we're in general, what's being talked about is an agreement between the U.S. and China. The only thing is that 40 to $50 billion of purchases, what was commented on that is that, you know, a person could see the imports into China get to that type of level, but what would that take to get there? Well, it would take China having to remove their tariffs, but their tariffs are retaliatory tariffs against the U.S., so that would mean um, the U.S. would have to remove their tariffs in order for us to get to that type of number, and it's like, well, that's not going to happen here in the short term. So I, I think the market's trying to sort out and say, well, is there really going to be much for purchases? And it's kind of hard to know how much of our bounce that we ended up seeing, you know, coming out of those trade talks at the end of the at the end of the week, um, was from the concern about the freezing temps and the snow, and how much of that was actually coming from the Chinese trade talks. So that's that's what everybody's really trying to sort through at this time. As we look at the other factor that's been closely watched this week, no surprise, has been the temperatures. How do you see the the snow, the cold temperatures having its effects on what we're seeing in the yields and the markets? Well, I don't think there's been enough time talked about this cold event. And, and the snow, I feel feel for everybody who's in North Dakota because, I mean, it was a much heavier snow than what came in last year. And it's going to have lasting effects. And there's there's some discussions going on out there that this might mean because of as wet as they were that they might have to finish some of their harvest. It'll get harvested, but it might have to happen, you know, on frozen ground or even uh, even next spring. But something that we went through and looked at is that it seems like the temperatures were much colder than maybe what were advertised going into the weekend. And we said what particular states actually had end of growing season type uh, temperatures. And for us, what that would mean is Ultimately, did we get below 28 degrees or did we spend more than four hours below 32 degrees? And and it looks like there would have been a season, season ending um, freeze. North Dakota, 100%. South Dakota, 100%. Minnesota, 100%. Nebraska, I would say 100%. 90% of Iowa, I would say, had those type of temperature conditions. Illinois had about 5%. Indiana had about 2%. Missouri probably had about 20%. And there was probably pockets in kansas you know where you had probably 10 percent of the state that had areas that had over 18 hours of temps below 32 so there was a lot of area that had very cold temps and and as we dug into the numbers and said well what areas were probably the most susceptible and what impact could that mean for yield we looked at north dakota south dakota minnesota and believe it or not iowa and as we brought all that information together, how we kind of diced it and broke it apart, uh, Susan, as we said, well, how much of the crop had yet to get to dent stage? And if that was the case, we were going to reduce the yield about 40 percent if it hadn't got to dent. And then we said if it's between dent and mature um, for North Dakota, South Dakota and Minnesota, we're going to reduce the yield 20 percent for Iowa. We're just going to reduce it about 10 percent. 
the reason we made that adjustment in Iowa different than the other states is because we felt that that crop was probably a little further along and, and reducing the crop yield about 10% would indicate about a half milk line. And we did that, Susan. It indicated that maybe the impact from the freeze on the production could be as large as 330 million bushels. Wow. Now, we had to make some assumptions in regard to where the crop stage was at. We'll actually get better numbers this afternoon once we hear NAS putting those numbers out. So we'll revisit these again. But the, the impact, I would say, isn't been fully factored into the markets yet. What point are we going to start to see that pressure build into the trade? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a discovery process. So as we have some additional harvest getting place, as guys actually get into some of those fields and start getting some of that harvesting, or as we get out to the November report, I, I think it's going to take a little while yet before that gets factored in. So the question everybody's been asking the last week or so is, what does this mean to our basis? I think it's going to mean a, a strong basis, and a stronger basis than what we're used to having here for a little while yet because we're just not getting enough corn and the weather's not cooperating enough to go ahead and, and get enough corn to market to kind of break this basis. So I think we're going to have some stronger basis levels than what we normally expect all the way through harvest. All right, sounds good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Jeff? Yeah, give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com or follow me on Twitter at jeffpeterson01. And of course, you. this is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. And you can pick this up as a podcast through our website or wherever you pick up your favorite podcast. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.